Hey everybody, it's Adam back with the new PNEU podcast. And uh, to catch you up on where we've been, um, we've been finishing up our Women Who Rock series, had some awesome guests. I imagine there'll be a part two of that series at some point. But we're going to start digging into some different things now. And uh, over the last year, a lot of changes happened that were forced upon us, but a lot of people had opportunities to make changes. And one change that I had an opportunity to make was I had enrolled in the Iowa Culinary Institute uh, in Des Moines. So I'm a student again at the age of 36. Uh, I still do a little bike stuff, but I'm doing a lot more food stuff. And involved in enrolling in a new school, we move, my wife and I, and we've got gardens uh, in the back of the house. So as a food service and preparer, I like to know where it comes from. I wanted to start planting a garden. So this leads me to our guest right now, um, who is not only my go-to guy for all things garden at the moment, whether he likes it or not, uh, but also a Baja Divide finisher, uh, a tour divide, and I can think of at least two, maybe three, maybe four, multiple-time tour divide finisher, uh, has been on the route southbound and northbound, uh, the former Cannonball 550 record holder and winner, uh, and if you don't know that event, we'll talk about it, uh, and just a really good guy who helps me grow food to serve, uh, the owner of Johnson's Garden Center in Kansas, of course, uh, Marty Johnson, my friend. How are you, Marty? I'm doing great. Uh, it's so good to talk you. to you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you. And it's always uh, always good talking to you, um, whether it's bicycling or gardening or, or whatever it is. Uh, I know you're a straight shooter and, and uh, always. <laughs> and I can't wait to, you know, we talked about, we'll talk about later on about getting you down here for some culinary uh yeah we're gonna leave that at the end that's gonna be the like whoa oh, okay hey, so right. don't spoil it for me all right all we right. don't go over stuff on this so marty doesn't know that i'm planning to drop the bomb um but i think a cool there's like two specific stories that i remember because you're in wichita correct wichita yes. kansas wichita. yeah um and i was in emporia so in proximity but not like always running into each other but two specific times that i i remember uh, crossing paths with you and they've been very impactful and I just found out recently that you also at least remember one um, was I believe the first time we ever met was the start of a Cannonball 550 event um, at that time not a lot of people run the race so I was just there as the shop and hanging out uh, and you had an excellent event I think you won and set the current record at that time uh, that year and I don't know why I wasn't in the bike shop because that's pretty rare, but somehow you got in and out of the bike shop before I spotted you. We chased each other's tails around town unknowingly. I was searching for you and I left you a note, just a congratulatory note because I thought it was a great ride. And uh, you just showed me about two weeks ago, that had to be five years ago, that you still have that note. And that makes me so happy. It was so cool. Uh, we didn't hardly know each other, but it was just, you know, something cool. And then the, the second time we sat down at the local cafe because I got to pick your brain about Tour Divide. Uh, I had some friends getting really interested. Uh, the O'Mara brothers still probably going to give it a go soon. Um, and 
we'll get into your tour divide attempts. And I think this is a good segue, but I just appreciated how honest you were. You mentioned I'm a straight shooter, but I ask you certain questions and uh, it was just, this is what works for me. This, what doesn't work, you know, you're going to have to figure some stuff out, buddy, kind of things. But I really appreciated the kind of genuine presentation that friendship has grown as we've made it a point to cross paths and communicate more often. We got some things in the future, but right now we're chatting again, lucky us. And uh, I mentioned, have you attempted the tour six or seven times or more? Uh, I was trying to remember what you told me. Yeah. uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, didn't happen in 20. So I've five, five, five starts, five starts. How many finishes? Uh, three finishes, three finishes, all southbound or was one of those finishes northbound? No, all, all southbound. The, the fourth one, I, I pulled out in Cuba. So that Not was the Island. You would be right, right. at that point. Yeah. So that was, most of the way, but the northbound was in 18 and, and my, you know, I, and I still think it's not a bad approach to it. You know, you, we start, the group starts north and this year at, at the border or in the past in Banff, the second Friday in June. And, you know, it's that window for southbound. That's kind of where it is. You've got to, um, there still can be snow up there. In fact, you'll you'll see snow in every every state all the way down. I think probably every year. But I, I'm thinking, you know, northbound, um, you you start when it's warm, and you're not going to have the the snow that you would, and probably the the wet cold rain for a southbound. And 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 at my pace. I'm a 30, 27 day finisher. And if you're southbound, um, good chance you're going to get the monsoons in Southern Colorado and New Mexico. So if you start early, you're, you're going to miss that. So, but northbound is a different animal. And I've, I looked in historically, you, you can look at track leaders. There'll be a dozen people that'll start North and one or two will finish. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think there's fewer people that are that you ride with, even though it's always a solo event. But I just think that that northbound it it starts hot, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm from Kansas, I can handle that. Well, it's 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 just different. Um, yeah, maybe I've hills logistics, Marty, um, because I knew you'd at least attempted northbound, and a couple things crossed my mind, but you already touched on uh, one. The first uh, uh, the first thing I thought was. I know there's climbing across the entire route, but I feel like finishing um, like Montana, Colorado, you know, that tour on the latter half would be rough on the legs. After you already have so many miles in, I don't know if that's true, but it just seemed like it to me. Uh, and the other thing I thought you mentioned was the, the rain that you can run into. That's not only sucks to ride in, but that can like, I think it was 19, maybe it just ruined a road for a long time, or it was either 19 or, or maybe a time trial in 2020 that somebody was doing, but somebody had a situation where they were basically just like, we either hike or wait for this to dry. And that's a rough go. Um, if you don't have a flexible timeline to finish it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, 
you know, the, as far as the climbing, the highest, the highest point in the, on the divide is uh, Southern Colorado. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I don't know that. The That's kind of midway. Anymore. What's that? That's kind of midway. Uh, Three fourths the way through. So, okay. you know, that I think uh, I don't, you're going to have climbing the whole way. Right. You know, think, Doesn't matter. Yeah. Finishing um, in New Mexico, it's, it's flatter by that time. And yeah, you can. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's all the same. You Hard know, to all, predict. Right. It's kind of like one hand or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I also did wonder uh, in regards to snow, if starting south and heading north wouldn't give a little more time for snow melt would that matter and would it be good or bad i mean that I could also not be good i guess it, it would i it i think it's i think it's an advantage you do yeah I, okay i think i just yeah. you know i could see like too much and too much more you know deterioration of roads right. and such. yeah no every there are so many factors in it and it uh no two years are the same. And, you know, I think the, the worst mud time that I had was in around Pie Town, uh, New Mexico. There was a spot there where it was, it was hike a bike. And um, I know um, Billy Rice got stuck in it. Um, uh, Hal Russell did. And so it, I think that was probably the worst time what for year? me as far as mud hike a bike and you know scraping it off the your bike what year was that 15 15 yeah 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 that's rough because sometimes once you're in deep enough it's like where do i go yeah you know if you're yeah, no, to the you, point where your you, wheels stop turning you're probably far enough in that even going back is really brutal at that point but by that time you're and where do you done. go back to, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you're you're done with it. You're probably and I've been lucky that Bannock Road in Montana is a is a road where um it's it can be wet and muddy and sticky and I knock on wood I've I've never had mud there. Lucky. Yeah. Cuz that mud, you know, it I mean there's events that we both love that yeah, I've had mud as a key part of them. And and if you've been there during that and you know what I'm talking about, you know how quickly mud can deteriorate. Not only the conditions, the bike components and the increased wear, but just your like your soul. It just yeah. takes it yeah. out. Yeah. You know, with with wind and, and mountains, you can kind of deal with it. But mud, you, you just can't. Yeah, right. You can you can hunger. You can do things to mitigate even rain to a degree yeah uh or cold though you know but mud isn't, yeah. it is what it is what are you gonna do yeah so one thing i wanted to talk about um and we won't even probably get a chance to talk about your baja divide attempt today but or you when you did it um but that's such a cool route we talked to jay peterberry about his baja divide route extensively because he was fresh off it uh, and he's going has at least gone back and maybe going back again. I, I actually, actually think he's chatting with you about some things on that, which is really cool to know that people that I know know each other and everybody's chatting. I like that. Um, but going back to the very first time that we really interacted uh, and we've mentioned it, there's an event in Emporia, Kansas. Uh, it starts in Emporia, Kansas uh, called the Cannonball 550. Uh, it is a 550 roughly mile multi-day bikepacking route 
Um, Bikepacking, kind of loose term on this one because it is, uh, can be done in so many different ways. Uh, Andrew and Katie Stremke raced the crap out of it uh, two years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, Marty, your record no longer stands, but man, they're, they're, both of their efforts were unbelievable. Um, there are people that literally stay in a hotel every night and plan their route accordingly. So you can tour, uh, you can do a lot of things generally still supposed to be under the self-sufficient ethos. So you're not having like a sag wagon with you or something, but kind of talk about how that event came uh, up. You know, who started it, how it kind of went. Uh, Pat Smith, correct, was uh, early one of the riders that was riding with you. And, you know, we'll talk about how that came. That's now kind of moved on from Matt to Bobby. Uh, but talk about the Cannonball 550, uh, how you've seen it evolve, how new riders have changed the game in that event in only, what, five years of that event, six years now? I think uh, Is it more I was seven. I think I think seventeen was the first year. What's the it. first year? I, I think so. And, okay, yeah, cool. That started out. I thought the there Matthew, was. I thought sixteen. I thought it had happened the year before I got there. Both uh, years. I'll have to go back and look at my pictures. Let's say four or know, five years, though. Yeah, you know, it's but, a still a new event, but it's changed in how it's been perceived oh. pretty quickly. A whole lot. And yeah, Matthew Slater came up with that rap when he was training for uh, Tour Divide and yes. uh, came up with the route. And, uh, you know, I think like the Great Divide mountain bike route, uh, they someone comes up with the route and people have to race it. And 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 it's very much just like the Tour Divide in that it's it's here's when we're starting. Um and at six o'clock in the morning and you're on your own and, and you go. And, and yeah, that, that first year, um, um, there was just a handful of people that, that started it. And I was lucky enough to be the first one in, I think two people finished. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm the world record holder. And you it's the like, best. exactly. And, but, you know, I knew, I knew that the fast people would come and I think that's great. Well, then the second year, uh, Bobby Smith and I did it. Bobby and, Smith, sorry, Bobby yeah, no, Smith. Yes, but he and I rode together, and uh, again, he he let me uh, um, beat him by about six inches. So I was the two-time world record holder, repeat champion. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I guess we all have. You know, I I'm slow at these things, but yeah, the Strimkeys came that next year, and they killed it. And, and talk about mud. They had mud. Uh, I had carpal tunnel surgery that that year so see that would have been 19 18 so i think 17 was the okay. first year um and then you know just like, like bike packing is it's so it's grassroots and and um it, it's um just you know and the thing about cannonball 550 um billy rice's um event in the in this in the winter time the 500 grand gravel 500 is you know, there's far enough, you've got to manage things, but you're close enough where if you run into trouble, you, you can get in. And I think those 500 mile uh, bikepacking events are, you may never do the tour divide, but they're great experiences and, and they're, and they're, 
I think there is a fee for, for billies, but they're pretty much free and just, um, and just like what we talked, you know, it's, it's a great learning experience and there's no right way or wrong way to do all these things, but every time you do it, you, you change things, but it's, it's a great learning experience. Yeah. I, I agree with you so much that, that, that 500 mile, you know, we've seen a proliferation of 350 mile one goes, right? Like unbound XL, things yeah. like that. Five, 500 is not one go. Like for anyone, you know, yeah. pretty much, right? Like maybe some people, but very, 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 very minuscule amount of people. So you're forced to have to consider things. Right. Um, you're forced to have to adapt to situations and plan ahead. And all of that is building blocks. And what I love about like the route that Cannonball 550 had and has and develops and other uh, events that are like that, you know, three to five to seven to eight to 10 days. If you want to spend 10 days to do 550 miles, you probably can have a world of a good time because like you said, you're, you're never in desolation, right? You know, you, there's a town. What do you think the longest stretch on the cannonball uh, courses without some kind of civilization, you know, like a town, 80 I, miles, hundred miles. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a hundred miles. Yeah. 80 miles. I used to yeah. think was kind of like the gaps. So, yeah. You know, if, if you're planning those like 80 mile days, you know, that's a seven day event and that's awesome because yeah. if something goes, you can commit to seven days, but we all know that life comes and interrupts. And at any point, if you plan accordingly and logistically, you can dip back in in one or two days, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I really like that accessibility with some protection, but like you said, you, you got to do things. And if you find out on night one that your tent system doesn't work and you have a credit card, well, you don't have to fail the event. Just stay right. in the and, and the thing, too, about Cannonball, it's in October. Um, you, you don't need a lot of gear, uh, cold weather gear. Uh, you've got to have some rain gear. But, you know, if you're looking at five to seven days out, the meteorologists are, are pretty accurate. So, you know, you know how cold it's going to be. And that first year, um, there was a, one of those 90% chances of rain coming in. So, and it came in. So it, we rode, or I rode late that last night just to get it finished before that, before the weather came in. Yeah. I think temperatures, you know, you can kind of gauge, they're not going to fluctuate. And then no. precipitation, you can have a gauge, but it can come and go. And you just have right. to be ready to deal with that as right. it goes. Now I, I do want to, <sighs> always is polarizing, but I want to broach it with you because I, I will understand your perspective. Something that I personally believe is that in events like the Cannonball 550, I believe it is, it is hard for me to process going into an event without the anticipation and the goal of doing 550 miles. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if you go into it saying, I just am going to see how far I ride. How do you feel about when you're getting into these longer ones and there's some communication maybe and group forming between athletes and all kinds of stuff? I understand it's each person's individual ride, 
you know, and I want them to achieve to things, but I feel like I get bummed out when I hear people going into a 550 mile event. Um, and they say things like, I just want to see how far I can go because I feel like you can do that with route planning on your own. Why isn't your goal, even if it's not realistic, just tell me your goal is to finish. You know what I mean? Like, don't go in with these limitations. Uh, how, you seem, I seem to hear that more. Um, how do you feel about like, obviously not wanting to inhibit personal growth for people, right? And pushing boundaries. But I just feel like if you're not ready to do that with Ride with GPS, Strava, all these routing systems, um, create a route for yourself that's the distance that's a little bit further than you think you can go and, and experience there versus in another situation. I, I guess to extrapolate to the major scale, I would never line up at the tour divide starting line without anticipating and thinking that my ultimate goal is finishing it. Now, things may happen, but I'm here to finish this event. Yeah, I, I think most people approach it like that. And, you know, I, of course, there's a certain amount of preparation, riding the Katy Trail, riding the Cannonball 550, riding uh, Unbound, you know, riding these right. longer events. I think you do have to be prepared, but you've got to be, um, have that final goal as finishing. And, and a friend of mine who does, um, Mike Strong does triathlons. I mean, he, a lot of ultra hiking and, and ultra runs. And I asked him one time before, before I did the tour divide, I said, you know, Mike, when you start something at, at what point in it, do you know you can finish? And he said, when I start. Absolutely. I, I mean, I totally understand that, that confidence, that mentality. And I think when we're talking about things like a 550 effort, this is where my, it starts to rise. You know, if you want to jump headlong into a hundred mile gravel event, I encourage you all the time yeah. to find out what you can do there. Yeah. You know? And I hope that your will and your determination will carry you the distance, even if your legs don't. Yeah. But 550, you can, you can get yourself in trouble. And there is no way that in 550 miles, you are not going to have so many hurdles to get over. You know, yeah. rain, mud, cold, whatever it may be, things you cannot control. Mechanicals, like if you're not prepared to get to the end, they will crush you, I guess. It's too easy, I guess, to like give into that stuff. But, but I think the people that are doing these things, that's part of the fun of it is figuring those things out. If that 550 mile was, you know, doing what a hundred and do it in three days and nothing going wrong, you know, that's great. But I think we, I think we all look for those times when we have to walk in the mud, when we have to figure things out. I think that's just part of the fun of it. You know, um, couple of weeks ago the Flint Hills gravel ride there was you know Bobby's ride um there was a mud section and and having been in mud in the past you know you hear some people kind of you know complaining mm -hmm. about it. it's like this is great it's it's two miles and yeah I've got to pull some weeds out of my wheels but that's the fun part of it so I think it, unless you're not 
embracing that, then don't go ride 550 miles. Yeah. Uh, yes. I guess that's kind of how I, I yeah. probably think too, is like you embrace the suck as someone once told you. You've got to. You have to. That's the opera. I, I always felt, um, bef- you know, when I was riding more longer distance things, the thing that I always relied upon, because I was never the fastest, this, the, that, you know, I'm just the guy that rode my bike a lot and happy to ride it, uh, was that I could fix things. Yeah. You know, I could manipulate my bike based on my experience in the bike shop. I could do a lot of things and I would almost be like, dang it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing broke. Yeah. Didn't even fix a flat in 150 miles. What the heck happened? And, you know, I think probably 80% of the people <laughs> out there are afraid of that. You know, yeah, I, mean, I love, I was like, I'm just going to put my rain jacket on just cause. Yeah. Maybe the rain will come if I will it this way. You know, people ask me sometimes about how do you train for the divide? And, and I say, wait till the, 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 when it's raining, it's cold, leave your phone at home, get on your bike and ride a hundred miles. Yeah. I used so, to, when I was training for my first dirty cans, I, it was like, oh, this day looks miserable. Yes. I've got a long ride. <laughs> <laughs> but you you start to train to where the bad isn't so bad and yeah. the really bad you're kind of happy that it happened in a way because you get to use all this stuff that you've prepared for maybe your whole life in different ways right. to, to utilize yeah cool hey we're gonna take a quick break uh maybe grab some coffee things like that and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna start chatting you know what what do you need for a garden? How can you grow some food? Because if you're riding your bike a lot, if you're training for the Cannonball 550, the Tour Divide, you should also be aware that good quality foods and knowing where your foods come from is how you can fuel the fire of training the most efficiently, in my opinion. Uh, and sometimes cyclists are not as willing to acquire good quality foods as they are good quality rear derailleurs. Uh, and so I think something like being able to grow your own food can, can cover a couple bases for you. Um, so we're going to pause, uh, come back real quick, and everybody hold on as I chat with Marty Johnson of John- Johnson's Garden Center in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, everybody. We're back with the new podcast. We've been talking to my buddy Marty about uh, his exploits in the ultra endurance world and some uh, cycling. But I'll be honest, the real reason I have Marty on here, uh, not the real reason, but what I talk to Marty about the most right now is that Marty owns Johnson's Garden Center in Wichita, Kansas. Um, He's got his fingers in a lot of different things in the spices. His brother does some stuff and we'll get how that all connects uh, flowers and food, uh, really everything. Just put up some really beautiful new greenhouses that we'll chat about. Um, and when we moved into our new house and we had garden plots, uh, I knew I wanted to start growing food for myself and my wife because uh, produce is can be expensive, um, but it is also a, a base for a lot of the healthy things that we need. And this ain't a rant about you know, eat your vegetables and whatever, but they cost a lot, but you do need them to really prime the tank for good performance. 
in an endurance cycling or any type of cycling. A, a well-balanced diet is key. Um, and like I mentioned before we went to break, sometimes cyclists value of food isn't always the best. I, I don't know how to say that. I've been that, in that situation myself as a cyclist. Bikes cost a lot of money, doesn't leave a lot for other things. Um, but talk to me, Marty, about what Johnson Garden Center or a garden center, because not everyone's in Wichita, Kansas, um, what it can provide, what you provide to me as resources, just general things that if you're curious and you go to the garden center, but you're like, I don't know what to ask them. What are some things that you should just be able to ask a garden center? And then we'll kind of go in more specific stuff here in a bit. You know, I think it's, it parallels our industry parallels with the biking industry. I agree. In that, you know, you have most garden centers are small businesses, family-owned businesses. You've got the owner, uh, manager that is accessible, that has ex experience in, in whatever it is. You know, it's like, you know, I fiddle around with my own bikes and stuff, but when I have a problem, I... I go to the professionals at, at a, at a box. I think a garden center is, is the same way they are. Most garden centers are connected with their uh, state land grant universities. And so they have uh, accurate research. They they're, they're connected with their local e extension and their, the local master gardeners. And, and those people are, are trying different things. And so I, I think, the garden centers are a valuable resource for, for you know what what grows in in, in our area, and uh, chances are that they have have done it, they experience it, and and they are passionate about it, and they and, and they live it. You know, most you know you know it may be like a, a a bike shop owner that you know doesn't get out and ride as much as they. You know, they, they got into a biking business because they love to ride bikes. Well, they bought a bike shop. Now they're not riding their bike. And, you know, many right. times I think a garden center owner is, can be like that, but still they've been there and, and they've done that and, and realize just like what you say, the, 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 the value of, of the fresh food. And um, I've, you know, I, I still garden, um, but um and I've got a large garden and, and I, I'm like a kid in a candy store. So I go through there and pick out one, each of all the different types of tomatoes and plant them. Well, then by midsummer, it's like, I should have planted like a third that amount, but you know, I still will plant a tomato, a pepper and have on my back porch. So when I'm in cooking supper, I can go out there and, and get that fresh tomato and fresh uh, herbs, basil, whatever. And it's, I use more off my back porch than what I do out of my garden. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to kind of move into, but I want to reassert two things is something that you touched on, just like the bike shop resource is locally, your garden center should know more about works, what works well, that the internet can only speculate on um, with charts and this, but they don't necessarily know the internet didn't put seeds in the ground. So I think that's a big thing. Just like at a bike shop, they know the routes, they know the roads, they'll send you where you want to be. The, the garden center and what you've done for me, even in Iowa, is you know 
how to interpret things that I don't know about my freeze thaw uh, date and, and things like that and how to kind of work within the structures even as far away as Iowa. Yeah. You know, yeah, we know the varieties that have, you know, people ask me, what tomato do you plant? Well, I always plant Jet Star because I know it does very, very well in in our area and, and know when to plant them and, 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 right. and all that. Because that experience. Yes. And, and I'll touch on the second thing, uh, and it'll lead into what I really want to talk about. But I think, unfortunately, most people have never got to eat a tomato or a basil out of uh, right off the vine. Because even the, you know, farmer's market's the best opportunity probably for most people who don't have a garden to get real fresh produce. But even the best grocery stores, that produce has been shipped. Um, it, and the most delicious is right away. In most you know, the, and um, yeah, that, that tomato with the store and um, has been uh, developed for picking green, turning red in, in that process. They're all the same size. They, they look really good. They're perfect. But, you know, going to a, 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 a farmer's market, that I would say that also requires locally grown produce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's very important. And just like you say, you know, you know who, where your food came from. And you can talk to the person at the farmer's market that grew that food. My my brother, who I've sent you his garlic. Yeah. And I wrote I about a this. spice pack from him, the breakfast blend. It was delicious. Oh, isn't that, that, the, uh, that savory in there? But his, Megan, um, uh, his partner, she, Wes had thrown the idea out about, let's just buy these herbs in and package them. And Megan was like, nope, we're not going to do it. It's not the same. And and, uh, and that was into that conversation. And, and I'll have to echo that because I remember getting some dried cilantro from a, the local spice place. And it's like, you know, I taste it. It's like, it doesn't, then there's no taste there. I dried my own cilantro and it's, it's the best stuff ever. Yeah. Well, think about how geographic uh, affects industries, bourbon, you know, like initially was developed on the, the water that, you know, your soil has a distinctive taste. Your water has a taste. All these things have a taste uh, that contributes to the most, uh, maybe what I'm going for is like the most genuine representation of what a tomato in Kansas tastes like, or for me, yes. a tomato in Iowa tastes like, you know what I'm saying? And so I think something that you touched on that I love is you mentioned your back porch over your garden. And I think probably the hardest thing for me to conceptualize if I hadn't moved to a place with a garden is like, how do I, where do, can I, where can I garden? How much space do I really need to be able to make it worth my time to grow some stuff? You know, uh, urban, uh, you know, urban gardening, these kind of things. Um, what do you think, you know, is like, Hey, if you want to, you just grow herbs, you only need this much space and a couple planters, you know, and then this is really you only need this. And can you kind of walk me through some basic things that even if you don't have access to a garden in your apartment or your house, if you've got access to some open air, you could probably even grow these things. You know, I think, you know, seeing your backyard, I don't know what size your raised beds are, but my raised beds are six by six. 
I, you know, if you, you know, go even a, a four by eight or six by six is really pretty small. And I think, you know, most people have room for that in their backyard. Of course, it's going to take, you've got to fill it up with, mm-hmm. with something, some soil, but, um, you know, I, I would say work towards that. And those raised beds, it, it's like a, a big container. And I think with, with a good soil that, that drains in there, you can, you can buy compost from your garden center, or if you're composting at home, um, mix that about 50, 50 with, with just dirt. Um, so it doesn't take that large of an area. If you're good, just starting out, you know, go get some, like a five gallon tub. If it's going to the, the local hardware store and buying some of their buckets, poke some holes in the bottom of it, get some good potting mix, put that in there. And that, that orange buckets, maybe not going to be the prettiest thing, but I can guarantee it's, it's going to grow. It's going to grow good food. As long yeah, as it'll hold dirt and bottom, it can drain water and it's going to drain water. You're going to, and it's going to do fine. And, you know, and you know, most of those potting mixes you get have no nutrition in it, mm-hmm. which I think is good because you want to add the, the type of fertilizer that is for vegetables or for, sure. for flowers or, or whatever. So you don't want the, the manufacturer of that soil. Right. Cause they don't in. know, right? Like they, they don't, don't know, know what you're, you're going to put in it. And, and, and most of the time that, that fertilizer that they put in there is going to be a time release. And by the time you get it, it's probably already spent. Yeah. And you know, one thing that we've got is my wife who's been chatting with you. She has a, uh, like more of a decorative garden that she's going to run with some flowers and stuff. So just like you said, we're not buying one, we're not buying the same thing to grow radishes as we are, you know, some of her more decorative flowers. And I I think that's something I didn't realize as much, uh, admitted like dirt. I knew you needed food, you know, some kind of fertilizer, but it's kind of all the same thing to me until I started chatting with you. And also my dad is a great resource uh, as a gardener. He's been doing it forever, but um, you know, kind of like what's available in a retail setting versus what's just the best. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you talk to about, about the cost of fresh produce, whether it, you know, wherever you get it at and, and I'll go up and look at, at our, our package of, of seeds that, that we sell and and I'll I'll get a packet of seed and, and plant a row of squash and and it's like or, or radishes or whatever it's like there is no better value in food than vegetables and I'm looking at this little packet of seed and it's like who needs 12 squash plants right right, right. yeah no like one there's does. way more than no I could does. ever use and it it's cost like, me two dollars and some hard work yeah exactly so you know they're you know, if money's tight, there is no better value in food. And, it, you know, we've talked about the advantages of, you know, fresh produce and, and just like, you know, your wife, she can, you know, you can plant some vegetables and there are some beautiful Swiss chard is amazing, beautiful, plant. beautiful plant and heirloom and, tomatoes, uh, beautiful tomatoes. Right. So, oh yeah. I mean, the heirloom varieties of tomatoes are, they're gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Good word. that's what I would have said too um you know so let's say somebody wants to get into it um we kind of talked about how herbs 
uh, can be done in small and by and large are pretty easy to manage. But if somebody goes to the point of building a four by eight or a six by six at their house with some elevation, um, what, what's kind of the good, like you've mentioned, I'm always of tomatoes and peppers. And I think that's kind of two that I always think of, but list like a top five. If you're just gardening, these are plants or vegetables specifically that get reasonably good yield are have an aesthetic value. Let's, let's contribute to that and are a good value in, in what you're getting versus what you'd pay for. And, you know, and they're easy ish to cultivate and curate, you know, I would, um, does that include tomatoes and peppers or do I well, go beyond? Tomatoes and peppers and three more, let's say. Okay. So tomatoes and peppers. We'll just, I think those are the two most prevalent, right? Okay. Right. I would say, uh, uh, squash. Squash. And I mean, you've got your, you know. Zucchinis, would that, would that be in there? Yellow. But I would, I would try some of the uh, acorn squashes, sure. butternut squashes, because they're going to, you know, there's a, there's a joke about, leaving your window open at the in the summer at the store because someone's going to put a sack of zucchini in your car you're going to have you're always going to have free zucchini right but you know grow some butternut some acorn squash that once they're ripe they're going to last for what, weeks months i don't know but they, they yeah, last versatile too for soups stews can yeah, be preserved grades yeah I, I would say that the, the the fall squashes or, or the butternut squashes um that's three um you know radishes are so easy early on yeah and um you know broccoli cabbage cauliflower the the coal crops are are so easy and and i sent you some of those and 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 you know you're in iowa your your season is going to be your heat's going to come on later than ours. You'll have a great, um, but, but in, in Kansas, I would say the fall cool season crops do so much better than the springs. Cause the, the spring oppressive season. kind of heat and lack of coverage, it, it just beats it, them down. Yeah. You, you get to, you know, May, June, it's 90 degrees. Right. For a long fall, time. Yeah. You, when the fall, if you plant zucchini and by the time they're done, plant your, your broccoli for fall, it's going to go till November. Oh, wow. So you get That's awesome. Feed. Yeah. And then, you know, the root crops, like I say, radishes, and there's a lot of different types of unusual uh, root crops that that's going to go into the fall. And even the, the spinaches too, you can plant those and they're going to last great into the fall. You can put a covering over there. I've got a friend that was here in town. He harvested spinach all winter. Wow. Yeah. Just a resilient plant. And he had like a high tone. He had some plastic over it. Sure. But yeah. It, I, I don't know how it did with our 17 below. Yeah. But uh, um, it, uh, on a normal winter, you'll, you'll have that all, all you know, 12 months out of the year. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some of those that you mentioned, radishes, maybe not as much, but tomatoes, peppers, uh, squash, spin leafy hearty kind of greens those are just what i said heart like those are substantial things they can be plugged into everything that you're eating and and really bump up not only the nutritional content but you'd be amazed at how much you like what came right out of your garden especially in situations you know i rarely put tomatoes on a sandwich 
but a garden fresh tomato i'll eat with just a little bit of salt and pepper on it oh yeah just it's just a totally in. different game um yeah. and so i think you'll not only be impressed but you'll have so much uh, you know like your work will pay dividends uh for everything and they can be canned and preserved you know it's a real rabbit hole um when your yield is more than you expected and you just find ways to use all of these things and just taking those tomatoes and putting them in boiling water blanch them get that skin off there it takes about five minutes toss them in a ziploc bag throw them in the freezer yep and you're ready yep. to go for sauces all yeah. kinds of different stuff tomato yeah. soup in the winter with grilled cheese mm, that's yeah. good you know yeah well, uh, one more thing I want to talk on before we get to the vaunted lightning round is, uh, and we'll remind you at the end, but Marty's Instagram is got chili and not the delicious beefy stew with an E. Can we talk for a little bit about why hatch chilies are so good and <laughs> just chilies and you, you've been to, have you competed at competitions or just gone to like chili festivals and you know, hatch chilies do really well in your area. Uh, not as much up here, but I love that that chili pepper specifically. Can we just kind of? Yeah, you know, you know, you, you asked, you know, why why hatch chili? And of course, um, my son and I had gone to Colorado, nineteen ninety nine, and a friend has a garden center there. You always talk about promotions, and you say you guys need to be doing green chili, and it's like, what's green chili? It's like he explained it and it's a, you know, it's a, it's like a jalapeno except larger. Um, and it's, there's mild, medium, hot, extra hot, but along that Rio Grande river, um, and especially Southern New Mexico, that the soil, the, the climate, the water is perfect, ideal for growing this, this green chili pepper. So we, we started bringing those in and, and by growing them in that, in that climate, they've got a real thick, thick meaty skin to it and and um so so we started bringing those, those back and uh, have built up a a pretty good demand for, for that and you know we were surprised that when we started doing it people were like oh we used to drive to new mexico to pick these up and, and do it so you know the green chili just is a wonderful flavor like i say from mild to, to extra hot and um great addition to everything spaghetti, you know, spaghetti eggs you know scrambled Green eggs sauce on everything macaroni and cheese whatever yeah. so yeah and i think what you talked talked on is something that um people struggle with i think is spice and peppers you know yeah and you know you can build a tolerance but some people go crazy with that i think but i have always loved the hatch because uh it's pepper flavor is good but not oppressive specifically when roasted i mean you can just eat it's got a sweetness and a fruitiness and a it's a very dynamic pepper across the palate and i think that's why you've seen such a almost like cult following i guess i'll call oh. it for specifically the hatch chili yeah i i call it the legal addiction yeah it's a good one like when it's seasoned it's just one after another. And, you know, I think that's a good point that you made too, Adam, is like, I used to always had to have the hottest, you know, I'm yeah. a tough guy. I want, the, I want the hottest stuff out there, but I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm getting the mild. It's just, or maybe it's the medium. 
it's just just the flavor in it and um yeah you can we can do hot but it's just sometimes that's all you get and you miss the flavor yeah and i would add that you know for me considering if i'm doing multi-courses in a meal uh if i blow their the customer or the diners a palate apart with too much heat they, they don't come back no um so restraint Time and a place for just massive heat, but also a pepper like the hatch or what I used to, you know, up here, the poblano is like right. my jam. Yeah. Uh, Anaheim sometimes, but the poblano I just love because it's smoky, sweet, spicy. It, it's a very dynamic pepper. It's not just hot. And I think people just think peppers and hot. And that poblano is great for stuffing. You know, it's got oh, some, yeah. some size to it where you can I had a chillariano the other day and it was oh, a poblano good. and. And um, yeah, it's a lot easier to stuff than the, than the hash, but uh, yeah. But, but you know, uh, just to, the consideration of like, it doesn't always have to just be hot to uh, really enjoy a pepper. Now, now, have I talked to you about the shishito pepper? Shishitos, yes. We actually have some in the restaurant that I work at right now. Oh. We just put some, uh, I think we smoked them and then we're probably fermenting them too. I would imagine somewhere or somebody is. Yeah, that's my new favorite pepper. Yeah, it, it's I, I so it's good. Like, it's like Russian roulette because you'll get a warm one in there. Yeah, every now and then one just really gets you. Jalapenos can be like that, but the shishito yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of spicy things, Marty, are you ready for the world-renowned lightning round? I am. All right. It's like some rapid-fire E-type questions. Just first kind of thing that comes to your mind uh, or short answer. Um it's intense. <laughs> so I, know, I, I listened to JP this morning. Ooh, it's go time. All right. Your favorite vegetable to grow. Peppers, any type of pepper. Any You're pepper. So easy. Yeah. What is your favorite? Get me out of here snack when you're in the worst times on a bike. Uh, unflavored Frito chips is corn, corn oil, and salt. Just clean, straight up clean, Fritos. Clean food. Yep. Uh, that's a pretty good one. And yeah, salt boosts you up. Tastes yeah. good too. Um, when you do go out to eat to a restaurant, do you have a thing that you just are always honed in on? If they have this, I'm ordering it. Uh, burritos. Burritos. Nice. Yeah. Any, it's, it's, do you, anything in a burrito as long as burritos attached? Are you cool with it? I get the I get the pork burrito and I get it smothered with chili verde and of course and, and you know it and tomatilla green chili is okay but I I love the the pepper green chili me too. So. Uh, what is your longest single day mileage on a uh, on a bike? It'd be probably two twenty five. Two twenty five, yeah. roughly. Um, and this one is specific for you, Marty. Well, they all are, but how do I keep these damn rabbits from eating all my cauliflower? <laughs> Stupid yeah. rabbits. You know, we, uh, there's some, anim repels all is a repellent that has lemon, garlic, uh, dried blood in it. And they don't like it. Ah, cause I don't want to yeah. like What's that? I just, I just want the rabbits to stop eating my cauliflower. They can yeah. be there. I just don't yeah. want them to eat it. Yeah. Some of the, the natural repellents um, are 
work best. Pretty good. Marty, that was a pretty easy one. You kind of crushed that. Lightning round. Who did it? Over with. We'll have to touch base again because I'll do a double lightning round someday. Um, so before we get to a quick social media plugs, I do want to say uh, stay tuned for social media stuff because as Marty alluded to, he and I have been chatting and something that I want to do uh, as I'm growing in my culinary skills is uh, use some of the produce that Marty and, and surrounding friends grow to, to do a big dinner uh, of some kind. And so I've really appreciated being able to communicate with Marty on my own personal garden and learning about how to use stuff and getting that opportunity. So everyone's going to have to keep track of both uh, all the social media stuff that we're going to provide to see how that turns out and see if it if it works. <laughs> of course it will. <laughs> yeah, it'll be real good. I just want to I love the opportunities to cook with people's regional food. Uh, to prepare what they've spent time. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of times, like you said, you do so much gardening in consideration of gardening for the garden center. You know, so my bike's chain is probably the last one to get lubed. Yeah. It is what it is. So, you know, it'll be fun to come in and let people eat some of the stuff they grew, uh, hopefully in some cool ways. Marty, how do people follow either you or Johnson's Garden Center on social medias? Um, I think you and your brother do some small um, snippet like videos um, somewhere, maybe YouTube. Uh, let us know about those. And then we'll, of course, put them uh, under the link as soon as this page comes live. Where can we find you, Marty? Okay, my son and I do uh, Johnson's Garden Time. And you can go to Johnson on YouTube, Johnson's Garden Centers. Cool. And they are, we, we post those on there. We do a, um, a nine months out of the year, we do a little three minute little uh, promo on the local ABC affiliate on Saturday cool. and Sunday morning. So they can find those there. Um, we do uh, my, like you mentioned, my Instagram is got chili, C-H-I-L-E. And um, love to show pictures of bicycling and garden and plants and all Beautiful that. New greenhouses. Uh, our, our new greenhouse. We put up a new greenhouse this this winter. Uh, production greenhouse. Um, modern greenhouse. The, the sidewalls fall drop down. The roof vent opens up, so we can cool that those plants um, for basically free. No fans running. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've got a, I've got a, a, a blog. I don't do a good job of updating it. Maybe this will get me going, but it's bucketride.bike. Okay. Bucketride.bike. Um, started, you know, I would do my tour divide recaps on there. Yeah. Um, um, so of course, Facebook, Johnson's Garden, um, or johnsonsgarden.com on the internet. Um, so Marty Johnson on, on Facebook. So yeah, definitely uh, check Marty and the, the garden center out on Instagram too, because the we didn't touch on all the details because even my mind is somewhat blown about the greenhouse, but the pictures in there 
just like you said, you know, not walking around a greenhouse with a bunch of fans blowing and all this, it just looks like such a pleasure. I kind of want to just go wander around in it for a while. Oh, the fans are always squeaking and this yeah. is so nice and it's ambient temperature in there. So the other greenhouses, even with fans, it's probably in the summer, it's probably 10 to 15 degrees hotter. This will be what it is outside. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, my social media plugs have kind of changed. They are still AM Blake 50. Uh, that's just my personal one. It's a lot of food. You can also find me at uh, the Des Moines Cheese Bar is where I put some retail food out. Uh, and even ICI Chefs, which is the Iowa Colon Culinary Institute's Instagram. Uh, that's pretty much the only social media I rock and roll on anymore. Uh, but if you want to find this and somehow you found it without, wait, that doesn't work. Anyways, fat-bike.com, all the new podcasts, even the old ones, uh, updating stuff. We're going to try to do a few more uh, food and garden stuff coming up because I really think that I want to consider how we can all get to uh, doing things like Tour Divide. And to me, a really establishing point of that is eating well, or at least knowing what you can and, and nothing that you necessarily can't eat that's not poisonous, but just being aware of what you're doing and how you're fueling the fire uh, to keep the training going, keep succeeding, keep pushing. Uh, fatbike.com. Everything you could ever want, apparently, because we're going all over the board. Yep. Marty, thank you so much, my friend. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad that I have a garden and it's re-upped another excuse to send you texts and, and just keep in contact because I love your perspective on, on bikes too, but uh, just knowledge base. Like you said, you are to me in a garden world, what I like to try to be for people in the bike industry. Well, that's, that's uh, an honor to hear you say that. Well, I, I think that's, you know, that's why I talk to you. Uh, yeah. If I didn't think that I was getting the best advice, I'd probably talk to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now, now, now you mentioned, you touched on it, our little, we're going to do an event, food event yeah. down here and Hopefully we'll tie it in with Chili Fest, which is yeah. I'll have to look that third weekend in in August. Mm -hmm. We'll have hatch green chili. We'll grow some other other things and we'll visit back and forth. But let's do a dinner. Yeah. And it'll be a a charity for somebody, something. We'll pick out something. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the best ways I want to make sure I take care of uh, your inner circle of people. Uh, but then I'd love to, I think a huge part of food is getting the community involved. Um, and so hopefully as just all kinds of situations get better, we can start doing some things where maybe it's going to be some small plates or a small ticket and we're going to donate some money. Uh, we're going to get there. So keep track of both of our socials as, you know, July, August starts rolling around for details. If you're in the Wichita, Kansas area, because yep. it's going to be worth it and it's going to be good. Yeah. Marty, buddy, thank you so much. Thank I will you, talk to you soon. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Fatbike.com. Take it easy. Stay on your bike and enjoy the day. Bye-bye.